Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. And I love just hearing that story. Love to see how God continues to bring uh, people into our mix and just to uh, assimilate into the body of Christ and to be uh, on mission together uh, for the glory of, of Christ and Thankful for Peggy and her heart for the Lord and for those uh, several folks that have, have united with our church family over these past few weeks. So grateful for all that God is uh, doing here and just the way that he is growing us uh, in his grace and goodness and assembling us together uh, for service in his family. And so uh, I want to encourage you, if you haven't found uh, a place where uh, you're able to use your gifts to uh, just be part of what God's doing in the midst of this body, I want to encourage you. Uh, just to connect in that way, we um, just believe that if uh, uh, folks are called uh, into this fellowship and uh, part of this family, that God has a purpose and a place, uh, and scripturally that that uh, the body of Christ is going to be deficient unless they are serving in that way. And so we uh, just encourage you to continue to connect that way. You'll find links inside the worship bulletin uh, to click on a place that you can be a door holder. Uh, also. Uh, if you are interested in being part of um, this faith family and have not been through our starting points class, we're going to do another starting points in a couple of weeks. It'll be on June uh, the 13th. Uh, we'll be doing that at 10 a.m., so we'll be doing that in between our services uh, at 10, and so we encourage you to come and learn a little bit more about us and how you uh, can connect here. So uh, super grateful for that. We come together this morning, and as a nation this weekend, we uh, celebrate and we, are, uh, we remember those that have given their all for our freedom. We celebrate Memorial Day. We come together and we think about a memorial, something that has been established that reminds people of a person or of an event or of something that has taken place. And Memorial Day is established that we might remember the sacrifice of many that have secured the freedom that we have, the freedom that we gather in this place today. There are thousands of sacrificed lives, and when we gather and worship God together, I'm reminded that those sacrifices were not in vain. Because of their sacrifice, we are free today, and we have the right uh, to assemble ourselves together and to worship our great God. And I'm so grateful for that. And when I think about that, how do you honor people that have given sacrifice in that way? And I believe that we honor them by making the most of the freedom that we have been granted, by living in that freedom. You know, we've had the blessing of being able to uh, go into the Macon County Detention Center on uh, Tuesday nights over the past few weeks, uh, James Jones and Hugh Brown, Ron Branson, Tom Jones. It's been a group that has been going uh, consistently there. I had the blessing of being there um, a few Tuesdays back. And in that time, uh, Hugh Brown was able to share his testimony. Man, and what an incredible blessing that was, right? To see fruit from people going in and proclaiming the good news of the gospel in prison ministry to then be sharing the good news of the gospel to those inside. And I thought, what a blessing to see fruit producing 
fruit. And it was powerful. You could watch and just see how God was using those moments. And uh, maybe that God is stirring your heart uh, to be involved in um, this ministry, to be involved in engaging there. Maybe uh, that maybe that there's ladies right now. There's been um, only men's ministry that's been taking place there through uh, what we've been doing. It may be that God's stirring in your heart uh, to be involved in that or on the ladies' side. And we just encourage you to connect with me if you're interested in that. Connect with Pastor Ron. We'd love uh, just to talk about some of that. But that day, as Hugh shared his testimony, toward the end, he said something that, man, it stuck with me. He said that when he was in prison, that there was a man that would come in there, and he was more than 75 years old. He was a chaplain that was there, and as he shared his story, this is what he shared. When he was 14 years old, he was drowning, and there was a man who had jumped in and saved his life. And the man said that his parents had talked to him and, and said, hey, we're going to go and see this man so that you can thank him. He said when they got there that he went inside and, and he began to thank this man that had saved his life. And he said the man looked at him and he said, if you want to thank me, he said, you live a life worth saving. He said, every day I get up and I desire to live a life that was worth saving. And today, we have an opportunity to take part in communion together. We're going to come together to the Lord's table at the end of this service. If you have received one of these packets as you came in, uh, hopefully you have those. If you don't, uh, if uh, you maybe slipped in from the, from the stairs or came in a, a different direction, if you have not uh, received um, this packet, if you'll lift your hand, we'll make sure to get uh, those to you, but if you'll lift your hand and just kind of keep that up for a second, we have uh, some ushers and deacons that will be coming through and uh, bringing those. But uh, if you are have been born again and have been saved, uh, even if you're a guest with us this morning, uh, if you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we invite you to partake uh, in this communion uh, together. And, and we've got a, an opportunity to be part of something that Jesus has given us as a way to remember his death, as a way to reflect on his sacrifice in our place. And the reality is, I don't know about y'all, but I need reminders. Just in, in regular, just everyday life, anybody uh, ever just look through the day and you're kind of like, did I take my medicine this morning? Like anybody, anybody do that? I'm, yeah, and you're like, so do I take it again or not at all, right? You're just... I mean, these are tough decisions that we have to make sometimes. And, and I don't know about you, but I can remember some useless stuff. Uh, for whatever reason, when I was working at Lowe's, there was a guy that worked there, and I would uh, have to punch in his Social Security number, which was what I would punch him in and out of the system. Two, five, four, six, eight. I won't tell you the whole thing because it probably shouldn't do that. But it's still in my head like yesterday, and I'm thinking right now, like, where are my keys? Because... I actually was going to show you something on them, and I thank God that I have that because I, I really don't feel them now. But in the early service, I got my keys out, and I have this thing called a tile on there, and, and it, it works phenomenal. If I can find my phone, which ironically, I don't, I'm not exactly sure. This is, I'm not even making this up. Um, 
I'm not exactly sure where it is either, but I think it's in my office. And, and so if I can find my phone, then once I find my phone, there's an app on my phone. You're surprised I got here, aren't you? It's like, it's like getting home may be tougher. Um, but, but I've got this thing on my phone that will ring my keys. And so you'll, you'll kind of hear that ding, ding, ding. Sometimes Sherry wakes up to that in the morning with me trying to figure out what I've done those, with those kind of things. But I need reminders and I need those kind of moments. And and I think we all do. We kind of walk in that kind of thing. And Jesus gave us this memorial. Uh, he, he gave us this New Testament memorial that we would remember his death in our place, that, he would, that we would remember his death on our behalf. And he took this unleavened bread that was used in the Passover feast. And in Luke 22, verse 19, it says, when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We see this kind of moment. And when we partake in this memorial, we remember his sacrifice. We remember that Jesus died in our place. We remember his sacrifice. In John 15, verse 13, we see a very familiar verse, right? Greater love has no man than this then one would lay down his life for his friends. We remember his sacrifice. We remember his love. In that chapter in John 15, if we scoot back just a little bit further, we're going to see something that I believe places in context. And I believe it, it gives us this picture. As this man shared with you, he said, the man that, he said, if you want to thank me, he said, you live a life that is worth saving. The American soldier that, that I believe with all their heart, he says, you know, as they go into battle and as they fight for the freedoms, their heart is that the people that they have died for would live in light of the freedom that has been provided. And Jesus gave us this picture. And he said, here's how I want you to live in light of that sacrifice. In verse 12, he says this, this is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this. Then one lay down his life for his friends. And then he says, you are my friends if you do what I have commanded you. You're going to see this statement on the screen. And this is really the core of this message is that when we remember his sacrifice and when we remember his love, we are reminded how we are to love. We're reminded how we are to love. Now, Jesus said, love one another. In John 13, we read in verse 34, Jesus said something unique here. And I find this interesting because a lot of times we can miss this. Jesus said, a new commandment I give you. And it's very interesting that this is a new commandment because he says that you love one another even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Another. Now, it's interesting because this doesn't sound at first like a new commandment. Look in Leviticus chapter number 19. We read these words. It says, you shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So what is this new commandment? 
Jesus said, a new commandment that I give you. And it wasn't that this thought, that this commandment was not to love one another. That was already established. The new, the new commandment is the standard in how we measure the love that we have for one another. The, the standard that we measure how we love one another. And Jesus said, this new commandment that I give you is to love as I have loved you. This is a game changer. This is a whole different picture, right? First John chapter number three, beginning in verse 16, scripture says this, we know love by this. This is how we know love. It says that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever, scripture says, has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him. Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. Jesus said, you're to love as I have loved you. And this love should be a love that is put in action. We're a church that has that little tagline, love in action. And, and I don't want you to hear that tagline as saying, hey, look at us, because you can have that kind of thought when you see it, right? You say, Calvary Baptist Church, love in action. Wow, look at us. This is who we are. But the reality is that we should see those words, and we should say, you know what, we've encountered the grace of God in our lives. We've experienced his goodness and his forgiveness and his love and his mercy. And in response to that, he has loved us. And we, in response to his love, that we, we follow his command, that we love one another. And in order to do that, we love not only with word or in tongue, but in deed and truth. So here's the call that we have as followers of Jesus Christ. As we partake of this communion together, we are reminded that Jesus said, hey, I want you to love like I have loved you. And so what does it look like to love like Jesus? I mean, the first thing that all of us think about, right, we immediately go to the cross of Christ, and we're reminded that the love of Christ is sacrificial. Right, the, the definition of love, right, this world says, hey, I have this feeling, and when I build these feelings about somebody, then I love them and I do good. Jesus said that love is an act of the will, that there's this picture, right? As Peggy was talking about these agape sisters, there's this unconditional love. There's this thought that Jesus would command us to love in such a way that he would even call us to love our enemies, to will another person's good and to do something that costs us. That's what sacrifice is, right? If it doesn't cost us anything, if it's not... You know, we live in a convenience world. We live in the microwave society. We live in a, a time where we don't want to have anything that gets in the way of the things that we have to do. But Jesus says, hey, if you're going to love like me, then it's a sacrificial love. And it's going to cost your time, your treasures, your talents. It's going to be something that you have to give of yourself for the good of someone else. Did you read that in 1 John where it says when you see uh, someone that is struggling, someone that is in need, right? When we see this kind of picture, he says whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart, he says, how can that be? Right? James said pure and undefiled religion. He said, you want to know what that looks like? You want to know what it looks like? Let me see pure and undefiled religion is this, right? That we would love widows and orphans in their distress, that we would see people who are hurting, and that we would be moved with compassion, that we would love them because that's how Christ loved us, and that we would love in such a way, he said also, that we would keep oneself unspotted from this world, that we would take seriously the holiness of God, and that we might live our lives in a way 
that loves, that wills another person's good. There's this sacrificial love. The love of Jesus is a love that serves selflessly. Now, Jesus gave a, a great picture when he washed the disciples' feet, when he would, would gather and he would gird his, his loins with a towel and he would take this wash basin and he would serve them. They were wondering, they said, who's going to be greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus said, the greatest among you will be your servant. And I believe it starts many times in the church, but it doesn't stop here. We are to be a people that are serving and are loving one another well. That love is sacrificial. It is serving, right, selflessly. The love of Christ, it's a love that shares in others' joy and also in their pain. Scripture says in Romans that we rejoice with those who rejoice and that we weep with those who are weeping. I had an opportunity last night to come together and to rejoice, right, as, as Clark Dillard and Elena Peavy became Clark and Elena Dillard, right? And we are able to rejoice in those moments and we're able to be in those places like that. And today, this afternoon, we'll have a funeral for Cheryl Harwood's mother uh, at three o'clock here at the church. And we have an opportunity to weep with those who are weeping. And we, we have an opportunity as followers of Jesus Christ to love in that way, to share in the joy of others, to rejoice with them and to be Excited also to weep with them and to be alongside of them. And, and really, it's more than just sharing in those two moments. But what we see with Jesus is that we are willing to share life. There's a sacrificial love. It's a, it's a self-serving love. It is a, a selfless love that, that we serve one another. It is this picture that we walk in good times and we rejoice with those who rejoice. But we also, we do life together. We share life. Francis Schaeffer said this, he said, we must never forget that the final apologetic which Jesus gave is the observable love of true Christians for true Christians. It's interesting, right? The world is going to judge whether Jesus has been sent by the Father on the basis of something that is open to observation. The way that we love one another is a, it is a picture as we, as the body of Christ, and we're going to take communion together because we are in this together. And the way that we love one another, it's not just the way that we love those that are outside of here. We want to be people that love those that, that are outside of this body. And I believe we serve them in order to do that, right? I think the greatest tool of evangelism that we may have is a towel and a wash basin that we might come and that we might serve our neighbor and that we might love our neighbor so that we could share the good news of the gospel, that we might open doors. But that's not how Jesus said the world would figure out and the world would look to see if he is real. Jesus said it is the love that you have for one another. And what they see, what the world sees as part of the body of Christ. And Peggy's testimony was a beautiful testimony of that that said, you know what? People were loving my daughter and they were inviting her and they were opening the door. And then when I got here, they began to love me and they began to walk with me and commune with me and do life with me and weep with me when I'm weeping and rejoice with me when I'm rejoicing. We see those kind of things and that ought to be reflective of the body of Christ in every one of our lives because the world is watching. The world is watching and, and, and longing to know what it is that we're all about. Is this Jesus thing, does it really make a difference in our life? So we share life 
together. Not only do we share life together, but followers of Jesus love by surrendering their lives to the will of the Father. Because obedience really is the measure of love when you look at Scripture. And all of a sudden, I hear all these things. I look at the list of those things that I wrote down, and I hear this thought, right, in this command that Jesus says, I want you to love like I have loved you. And then there's this thing in my heart that just says, I can't. Like, I know who I am. I'm like, how in the world can I do that? How, how in the world could I possibly obey? How could I love like Jesus? And here's this beautiful answer. In the same chapter that Jesus gives this command, we find the answer. The only way that I could love like Jesus is if Jesus lived in me and empowered me to love like him. The only way that I could love like Jesus is if Jesus lives in me and empowers me to love like him. And that's exactly what Jesus taught in John chapter 15. One of my favorite passages in all of the scripture. Jesus says this. He says, abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, verse 4. He says, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. And he who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. See, this is what Jesus taught that, you know, I used to think, hey, I'm going to try harder. I'm gonna, I know I'm supposed to do all these things, and so I'm going to get up this morning. I'm going to work a little harder. Anybody, like, watch a fruit tree on the, the way in? And anybody ever seen a fruit tree? just out in the yard, and it's just like, boom, there's an apple, right? It's not how a fruit tree works, right? Right? It's what a fruit tree does. It's what God created it for. And, And as the life of that tree is pressed out through its branches, there's something natural that takes place. There's something beautiful that takes place, and it bears fruit. And that's what Jesus is teaching. He says, abide in me and I in you. And there's something beautiful that takes place. The life of the vine. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. And the life of the vine is pressed out through the branches. Galatians 5 lists a laundry list of the things that our flesh is capable of. It says the works of the flesh are manifested. And it lists this horrid list that we are capable of in our flesh. Then Paul in that letter to the church at Galatians says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, right? And the very first one of the fruits of the Spirit was love. And as we abide in Christ, the life of the vine is pressed out through the branches, the body of Christ. By the way, we are the body of Christ and the love of Christ is pressed through its branches. Look at 1 John chapter 4. Verse 11 and 12, uh, just a beautiful, beautiful passage of Scripture. It says this, that, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, 
God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Now, it's an interesting thought. So we come to the Lord's table and we see in the scriptures that we are to examine ourselves when we come to the Lord's table. So we're going to come collectively as a body. First Corinthians chapter number 11, we find these words in verse 28 and 29. Scripture says this, that it says, but a man must examine himself and in doing so he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. And so we want to take just a few moments, right, to look within, right? When we think about taking the Lord's Supper, we are looking back in so many ways. We look back and we remember his death for us, right? This is my body, is what Jesus said, which is broken for you. And we know that not a bone in Jesus' body was broken, but his flesh was torn, right? He was the sinless, spotless, perfect lamb of God with no broken bones, but he, his flesh was torn from the beating that he took. His face was bruised and martyred, marred, and the crown of thorns that was placed on his head. We see that flesh that was, that was broken. We see his blood that was poured out in our behalf, right? We see the beauty of looking back, but we are also called to look within in these moments. And we must ask questions. And in light of how Jesus desired that we would respond to his love, we must answer, how am I representing Christ in the way that I'm loving others? And we do that together. And as part of a body, we individually, we represent this body as we walk in the world. And we, we together are to give a picture Right? If the people of Cowie Baptist, if our community, if our town looks at this church and does not see Jesus, we have missed it. The call is that there should be a love that only is possible as the life of Christ is pressed out through his branches. That, that's only possible in that way. It's only possible. But there should be a love that is seen in that way through the people of God that gather as his people, that when this community looks at us, because this building is not Cowie Baptist, it is us. We are the church. And when they look at us, they should see Jesus. So we ask that question, how is it in the way that I represent Christ, in the way that I love others? I mean, first and foremost, the question that all of us must answer is, do I know God, do I have a relationship with Jesus Christ? See, we approach this table not because of anything that we've done to earn it. We don't approach this table because of how good we are. But we approach this table because we've been made right through the precious blood of Christ. That we've been given his righteousness. And we approach this table not because we're good, but because he is good. And he has made us a place at this table. And we, Scripture says that if... That, that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, right, that he's in charge and not us, the scripture says that, that all of us has, have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that because of that sin, we are separated from a holy God. But I'm so thankful that God demonstrated his love toward us, Romans 5, 8, that in, while we were yet sinners, you know, I love that thought of, I want to live a life that was worth saving. But the reality is that none of us deserved it. 
none of us lived a life that was in our own strength. It was worth any. But Jesus looked and he loved us anyway. That's what the scripture says, even though we were sinners that Christ died for us. He places his spirit within us when we believe and trust in the finished work of the cross. And then he enables us to live a life that is worthy. A life that reflects him to this world, not in our own strength, but in his. And if you've never trusted Jesus and he loves you just the way you are, but I'm so thankful that he loves us so much that he doesn't want to leave us that way. And that he died in our place. Scripture says if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart, not just simply understanding these things in our mind, not just simply uh, hearing these things and going, you know what? I know Jesus was born. I know he was born of a virgin. I know that he lived a sinless life, that he never messed up, that he died on a cross, that he was placed in a bar tomb, and on the third day that he rose from the grave, that he ascended into heaven. I know all those things, not just simply knowing them in our minds and just being able to recite those kind of things, but believing in such a way that we trust him, believing with our heart, with everything that is in us, just trusting in the finished work of the cross. Confessing our sin, simply surrendering our life to him, turning from our sin and turning to him. Just repenting of our sin, saying, God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that there's nothing good in me that, that allows me to be able to come to this table, that allows me to be in your presence. Nothing that I could do to ever earn my way or make myself right with you, but because of the work of the cross, my, you know, I was just a belief with everything I have and surrender my life to you to turn from my sin and turn to you. And if you've never trusted Jesus, I want to invite you before we partake in this time together at the Lord's table that you might uh, have an opportunity to just surrender your life to him, to call on his name. Scripture says that, that whoever would call upon the name of the Lord, that he shall be saved. And that may be you this morning, that you might just call on his name, surrender to him. We want to give you that opportunity. Do you know Jesus? And for believers in this room, the question that I have for you is, is there any area of your life that needs to be made right with God? You know, repentance is not just simply something that we do when we uh, turn from our sin initially and turn to Christ, surrendering our life to him, but it is something that is a practice of the believer's life, that every day that is the Lord, as we know that of things that we have sinned, uh, where we have sinned against God, the scripture says that if we confess our sin in 1 John 1, 9, that he is faithful and that he is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And as we approach the Lord's table, I want to give us an opportunity just to have clean hands and a pure heart that we might be able uh, to confess our sin and just to ask God to forgive us and, and, and to, and I'm so grateful that he is faithful to do that. And then together uh, we will partake of the Lord's Supper um, and we will proclaim his death until he comes. And so I want to invite you uh, in these moments, I want to invite the band to come. I'm gonna, we're we're going to worship the Lord together. Um, we're going we're gonna to do that. We're going to have a time where we worship, a time where this altar, uh, this, this stage, uh, there's nothing special about uh, any, any of uh, the, the furniture or the things. This is just a building, but there's something special when we uh, get on our knees before a holy God. There's something beautiful about this picture of surrender. You may want to do that in your seats. You may want to do that uh, here at this stage. You may want one of us to pray with you. Uh, you may want to pray where you're at, but we just want to take a moment um, just to worship God together, just a time to reflect on all that God has done in our place, just to worship him uh, in spirit and in truth. And then together as the body of Christ, uh, we will take communion. Um, 
and then we'll be dismissed. So as the band comes and um, just leads us in a time of worship, I want to invite you um, just to stand to your feet and um, just to be obedient. Uh, The scripture says that obedience is better than sacrifice, and it's our heart that we might um, ask the Lord to reveal to us uh, anything that uh, is in our life that doesn't need to be there, um, places that we need to repent of, places that we need um, just to make right with him. And we come worshiping. We come grateful. Grateful for his spirit, grateful for the forgiveness that we have in Christ. And may our worship reflect that. Father, as we enter into this time, God, I am so grateful. Lord, I'm grateful for the, God, the great sacrifice of the cross. Lord, I'm thankful for the the blood that was shed. Lord, your, your word tells us that without the shedding of blood that there's no remission of sin, Lord. And I'm so thankful, Lord, that in your great love, God, in your sovereign plan, Lord, that the sinless, spotless Lamb of God, Lord, that Jesus was, Lord, was sacrificed in my place. Lord, that he died a death that I deserve. And Lord, through faith in Christ, I'm able to live and be treated like Christ deserved. That I can't approach the very table of the Lord. That I'm made worthy not by anything I've done, but by the finished work of the cross. And so, Lord, as we come, we worship you, and we are grateful for that. Lord, I pray if there's anyone that doesn't know you, Lord, that even in these moments, in these next few moments, Lord, that they might, uh, Lord, just respond to, to, the, to your Spirit's calling, Father, and that they might, God, that they might surrender their lives to you, Lord, that they might repent of their sin and just trust you as Lord and Savior. Lord, receiving the gift of your Spirit, enabling them to live for the glory of your name, to love well, to, to walk in victory in this life. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the cross, and we thank you for these moments. And Lord, we just pray that you'll have your will and your way in every life here. And we ask it in the strong and mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's worship together.